Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Tuesday, March 15th. It is a Tuesday, so we welcome Zach Lyons from the Football and Other F-Words podcast, broadwaysportsmedia.com, as well as the website. You can catch all of his stuff there. And every Tuesday, we like to have a longer conversation, primarily about football. Zach, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. It is free agency. I love it. I mean, we're in the midst. <laughs> yes, a lot of stuff to get to today on the show. We will. Um, we, we do have a couple of questions that, that center around sort of the Nashville Predators and the NCAA basketball tournament. I've got a question about fan bases, Titans versus Vols. I've got a question for you about record chasing, which the Predators are doing, and frankly, Derrick Henry, single-footedly, single-handedly, is doing for the Tennessee Titans. So we'll get to a couple of those things a little bit later on. It looks like Deshaun Watson is on the move. Uh, I've got a trade that I would like to present to you a little bit later on at the quarterback position for the Tennessee Titans. But no, it's not any of the names you think it is. So I'm going to present that to you uh, for you to ridicule. Zach, if you're okay with that later on. Ready. I so. love it. You know me. I love a good ridicule. <laughs> right. Uh, we'll get into some of the positions of need, but we got to start with the offensive line and what they've already done, the Titans, in free agency. Before we do that, of course, the 440 brought to you by the Kingston Group. If you own a home in Nashville, uh, you, of course, know that the real estate market in this city is completely wasted, and therefore, you need to have really good people on your side helping you make good decisions. The Kingston Group are those people. Buildkg.com is the website. Go to the website. Just talk to them. Have a conversation. I guarantee you, you will learn more about your house and they, and they will help you make a better decision. So Kingston Group, buildkg.com. All right, Zach, we've got some free agency news. We are recording this late on uh, Monday afternoon. So as of right now, Ben Jones has been re-signed to a two-year, $14 million contract. Uh, you've got uh, Jamarco Jones, an offensive lineman from the Seattle Seahawks, has been signed a two-year, $5.75 million deal. They cut ties last week with Roger Saffold. They still have Dylan Radens. They are going to let David Quessenberry walk. Um, they cut Kendall Lamb. I think I got most of the moving parts uh, there. Obviously, Nate Davis is penciled in. Taylor Lewan is penciled in. Ben Jones is back. So just on the surface, first and foremost, while you look around free agency and you see the Jets and the Bengals and the Jaguars investing a ton of money in free agency along their offensive line, what do you make of what the Titans have done so far with this group, which we think is obviously a critical piece of the Tennessee Titans offensive identity? Well, they, they brought back the most important piece in the offseason. That was Ben Jones. I mean, Ben Jones was arguable, arguably your best offensive lineman. I'm going to go back and say probably the last two or three years. I think he's the most underappreciated lineman until this year. But when you really look at it, he is the leader of the offensive line on game day. And that's super important. Now, if Ben Jones wasn't coming back, there were other people, there was no reason to, to freak out if he wasn't going to come back, but obviously he's coming back on a two year, $14 million deal. I'm sure that it's going to be pretty, it's going to be good two year deal that pretty much in my opinion, takes away the need to draft a center. So that is a good, yeah. good thing to have because I get that he's old, but Jason Kelsey is like two or three years older and he just got a all pro vote and in the pro bowl and at center. So offensive linemen tend to age well, for the most part, those who stay from getting injured on the flip side, you got Roger Saffold, who's clearly breaking down. Ben Jones is clearly not in that spot yet. So right now you got a little security blanket with him. Jamarco Jones is just replacing Kendall Lamb, who just replaced, 
I you thought he was replacing Dennis Kelly, but he's just a swing tackle. He has a hundred pass snaps last year and got six pressures on a hundred pass snaps. That's not a good ratio, but it's a two year, $5 million deal. That doesn't, it's probably going to equate to a one year, $3 million deal. Like let's, let's be honest here. This guy's not coming in to start no matter what Joe Rexroad has said, or Mike Herndon has said, cause I've seen both of them talk about this guy's, Going to be number, he's number one on the depth chart is what uh, Mike put him as. And then Joe said that he's going to compete. Sure, he's going to compete. But let's be honest, it's not a real competition. He's not going to be that guy. It does not take away the need at left guard. It does not take the, away the need at right tackle. And David Questenberry, he, they're not tendering him. Doesn't mean he can't be back because who's right. going to get a guy that will allow the most sacks at right tackle just because he started a bunch of games. Just because you can start a bunch of games doesn't mean you're good. <laughs> so he could definitely be back. Like, it's not over yet. I think I think that there's still a lot of work to do on this offensive line. I would have preferred a Brian Allen who just got paid um, more money than Ben Jones, but he's like six years younger than Ben Jones. So mm. I, I would have preferred a different way to for the future, but it's Ben Jones, baby. I'm glad he's back. Let's go. <laughs> so he started 96 out of 97 games in his six-year career as a Titan. And he was really, frankly, one of the original John Robinson signings when he went and got guys like Rashad Johnson and all these guys that were sort of supposed to be stopgaps to dramatically overhaul the roster. Jones was one of the first guys. He's undersized, uh, but he's just he's a heart and soul identity cliche guy along the offensive line. And at that price, he's, you know, he's he's excellent. It also means that there are fewer moving parts this offseason, which I think is the most important part because Nate Davis is penciled in at right guard. Ben Jones is penciled in as the center. Now you don't know who's your right tackle. You don't know who your left guard is, although I guess Nate Brewer probably is going to be maybe a guy that's in the mix here with Jamarco Jones. Got to make sure we separate the Joneses, Joneses here. Certainly there could be news with Taylor Lewan. They could still cut him. They could restructure the deal. There's going to be stuff happening there. What this is interesting to me for is, number one, it's their identity. And number two, it, it's we, we still need to figure out what Dylan Raiden's is as a, as I a think tenant. not only we, the Titans need to figure right, it out. <laughs> right. Well, and I guess what, what will happen is I think over the course of free agency and then the draft, if they invest assets in another guard or another tackle, then it tells you sort of all you need to know about how they evaluate Dylan Raiden's. If right. they do not spend any capital in any large way, then you, you probably get a good sense that they, they think Dylan Raiden has a chance to come in and start at left guard or right tackle. And if that's the case, that's a good development for Titans fans. I think a guy to keep on the radar is Billy Turner, who got cut by the Packers this morning. And Billy Turner is a right tackle who's played, I think he's played all five spots for the Packers over the last three years or something like that. But he's a he's familiar with the system, right? Billy Turner, if he gets signed, then you know that Dylan Raiden's is a guard. Or they've just completely given up on Dylan Radins. Like, <laughs> right. who the hell knows? Because they have treated this <laughs> Dylan Radins draft pick. I get that Isaiah Wilson is the worst draft pick that they've ever drafted. But Dylan Radins is the most mismanaged draft pick, in my opinion, that they've ever drafted. They have just totally, I feel like, ruined this kid. Unless they're just trying to be coy and cute, which they're, they kind of tend to do. <laughs> and they already know that he's going to be right tackle. But you're right. If they get a guard, a higher price guard than Jamarco Jones, and then, or they get a right tackle, then you know where Dylan Raidens is at, right? He's going for yep. the other spot. I also wouldn't put it past them because I, I still love the value of the interior offensive line, whether it's Linderbaum at, out of Iowa or Zion Johnson out of Boston College. 
I like both those guys. And there's a couple other guys as well that could be early second, late first round picks. I, I wouldn't necessarily put it past them to still invest in that position, which would tell you about Dylan, Dylan Raiden's, but also it would create a succession plan behind Ben Jones because he's 32. He's going to be 33 in July. He does get banged up, even though he's tough as nails and he comes, comes back into the game all the time. He does get banged up frequently. He's, you know, he's writhing around on the field and then he limps off and then he comes back in. You're like, damn, that dude's tough. Um, so it, you know, it's not there yet. They certainly believe in two more years with him, but the offensive line was this time last week, the number one biggest concern. They, they cut Roger Saffold now, at least with Ben Jones back and, and a depth piece back in the other Jones, you do feel a little bit better about where they are, assuming that there's probably some more moves to come along the offensive line. If no moves come in free agency, there is a move coming in the draft. So yeah, don't freak yeah. out if April rolls rolls around and they still haven't solved one of these issues. Yeah. It's going to happen in the draft at that point. Also, I would like to say this about every player at every position. To all of you that dunked on Nate Davis the first half of his first season, where's Nate Davis now? Like it just it, the players of all like Christian Fulton, everyone dunked on Christian Fulton for a year and some change. Turns out he's a pretty good player. Like, just you got to let these guys develop sometimes. Football's a hard game. Just want to throw it out there. I know that's like not hot take and conflict doesn't sell. I get all of that, but like, just, you know, patience sometimes matters. Um, what other positions of need now? What, what are the priorities? I would say tight end is number one for me. Uh, it's still number one. This Jeff still Swain bullshit that they just put on us today. <laughs> that's how you open up free agency is with Jeff Swain. <laughs> the big announcement there's like all these people are signing all these cool names. Titans have signed Jeff Swain to a one-year extension. Like, what a disgusting act by John Robinson, who probably <laughs> did that on purpose, by the way, to troll everybody, to make the first official announcement at, in the negotiating window, Jeff freaking Swain, which, by the way, is spelled G-E-O-F-F -F and has been since he's been a Titan for three seasons, not J-E-F-F, -F, like I've seen a few people type, even media members, and... I think it's time that if if it's fine, right? Okay, I know that there's going to be other tight ends that are signed or drafted. But if he is your tight, if the plan is that he is your tight end one, that's not the plan. Shoot me in the face. No, okay. <laughs> like, no, please do not let Jeff Swain end up tight end one for this team. As as someone who would enjoy shooting you in the face, <laughs> yeah. I I can I can tell you that he is. He is maybe, I mean, he's, he serves a purpose, which is to block people in the running game. And, and I know he, he's only 28 and he had a decent season for what he is. He is not the starting tight end one that this team needs. And I don't know if there's a, that piece in the draft. If you want to draft Charlie Kohler in the fifth round and see, maybe, I, I don't know that tight ends can be had a little bit later in the draft than, than first or second round they're just not it doesn't seem like a very deep class and a lot of the guys in free agency aren't getting to the free agent market so i feel like that's why they had to do this like it was they had to re bring back one of them and we know what this one does really well now they've got to go out and fill the the, the void you know left in terms of like the only thing he passes. does really well can we can, let's be honest here the only thing he does really well is not mess up like that's it <laughs> He's not a he's not an exceptional blocker. He's not an exception. He's definitely not an exceptional pass catcher. You're talking about a guy with 6.8 yards per catch. I mean, this guy is so freaking slow. <laughs> I am just I'm so sick of so I, I was so sick of Jeff Swaim and Anthony Ferkser, <laughs> Michael Pruitt. I really thought we were just going to get rid of all three and just just start over, just start from scratch. And damn it, John Robinson, if you didn't <laughs> disappoint me right off the bat.
Uh, 10 million for Johnny Smith looks awfully nice right about now. Uh, shoot, uh, I tell you. So uh, obviously, Ferkser and Pruitt are among a bunch of other names that we're waiting on to, to hear from. Um, I, you know, Dante Foreman, Dalton Hilliard are both names that are going to be free agents as well. I, I think one of those two should be brought back. I think they do need a piece at running back. I like that Foreman can do some of the things that Derrick Henry does so that when you change those guys out, you're not changing the player skill set all that dramatically. But I would like to see another weapon, which is obviously why they drafted Darrington Evans. It just hasn't worked out. Rashawn Evans, Jayon Brown are on that list as well. Randy Bullock, old Randy probably needs to be brought back. Ola Adenahi, Dane Cruikshank. That's sort of your list of potential free agents. I, I would, you know, there's still some cuts pending as well. Um, Jackrabbit Jenkins could be let go. Um, you know, I, I just think they're, they're not quite done yet, but it's going to be a pretty boring off season. I've been preparing myself <laughs> for it. I just, I just want, I, I haven't expected a big splash in free agency. I kind of think it's going to be a lot of the same people that we've seen with a few new faces. Like, I don't think it's going to be anything exciting. I, I not, yeah, maybe, I maybe it's a good thing to get my hopes down. So that way I'm pleasantly surprised if something does happen. And that's not necessarily a bad thing to be, to be boring in free agency because you could be the Jaguars and pay Christian Kirk $18 million a year up to 20 something million dollars a year, something crazy like that, like with incentives and stuff. Are you kidding me for Christian Kirk? Like it could be worse. So a lot of times you'll, what you'll find out is the teams that win the off season, the Browns, the Jaguars, the same names over and over and over again are not successful over and over again. What, so sometimes it's probably good to be a little bit boring. Wasn't it the Eagles dream team, the one off season where they brought like Vic in and like they signed a bunch of free agents and then like didn't, didn't, yeah. didn't make the playoffs. Vince Young was yeah, there. I, I, it, listen, the great teams, just like college football teams built through recruiting, not the transfer portal, the great teams in the NFL built through the draft, period. That's just it. You can supplement nice, nicely with free agents, or you can rebuild a roster nicely with free agents, which is clearly what Jacksonville's trying to do. Um, I, I do think that, uh, although you got to also point out, though, that the last two off seasons, way late in the process, Jadavian Clowney and Julio Jones dominated headlines. So you do have right. to sort of acknowledge that even – during a quiet off season, the Titans still have done things sort of at other times during the summer, which, which could, you know, I, I doubt they do that a third time, but, but we'll see. Um, I, I do have a, a trade. I'm going to float by you in just a second here. We'll get to Tennessee Titans fans versus Tennessee volunteer fans and which one does grievance better. We'll do that one in just a second. And then some record chasing. Um, but, but uh, before we do, we do any of that, Deshaun Watson, is on the block. Carson Wentz is since the last time we talked, Tom Brady has come back. Carson Wentz has been traded. Deshaun Watson has been cleared of all criminal charges. Still has to go through an NFL uh, investigation, kind of sit down with Roger Goodell. There's, there's a, a, a four to six game suspension conversation that's being rumored about him as part of this. Yeah, and he has a deposition today. Yes. Tuesday. Cause there's still civil stuff that could be, that could be worked out with him. If you take all that other stuff off the table, He's still 26 and like almost as good, if not better than Russell Wilson. And so the Texans are going to get probably three first round picks minimum three first round picks minimum, but then they're also going to get additional picks and players like whoever, because if they go to the Panthers or even go to the saints, especially the saints, the saints are going to have to shed players to get yeah. under the cap and afford them. And those players could be like Marcus Davenport, Ryan Ramchek, 
It could be um, even Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara. So it could be a couple different people from down in New Orleans that are going to have to leave. And then, you know, he gets to say, right? So he's going to be meeting with these people. Probably the first words out of your mouth are, who are you getting rid of to get me? Because if they're getting rid of AK, is he really going to see them as as exciting anymore? Because there's no AK down there. It's just Michael Thomas, who isn't DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I don't know. It's just going to be kind of – it's interesting to see how this wall play out. Here's the question about the division for the Titans, for Titans fans, which is if you hate Carson Wentz, then you have to, then you don't really like the move as a Titans fan. Like you have to acknowledge that it's a really smart move by Chris Ballard and the Colts to do this. Oh, no, sir. If, my you, if you hate Carson Wentz. No, no. This okay. is a great move. Because I hate Carson Wentz, but everybody else is worse. So that tells you everything about all these other quarterbacks. <laughs> They're all worse. So in my opinion, it's even better because then not only that, they just gave up a first round pick and they really got nothing of importance in return. So they've really screwed themselves up for two years because this quarterback and this whatever quarterback they get and whatever roster they have is going to be good enough to keep them away from a Bryce Young or yeah, yeah, uh, some other like. They're they're in purgatory for two years because there's no quarterback coming to save them. It's well, it's beautiful. You don't love Jimmy. You don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough to win you? Is Kyle ten, Shanahan ten coming with him? Is Debo Samuel, Kyle Shanahan, <laughs> George Kittle coming with him? Because they don't have that in, in Indianapolis. Frank Reich showed his ass by going to bat for him. That shows you how smart of a, a head coach he is going to bat for Carson Wentz. He's on the hot seat. I don't think Reich's going to be there after this year, no matter who they get, because Jimmy G is a less athletic Jacoby Brissett in this Reich offense, because it's drastically different. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not a, a Jimmy G guy. Yeah, uh, I just I think he's worse than Carson Wentz, because at least Carson Wentz could throw it deep and get you a defensive okay. pass interference call. He he's won. He's had three winning seasons with three separate quarterbacks and made the playoffs with Andrew Luck and you know like. There's there's a lot of stuff there there when it comes to what rank is what Reich has had to deal with in Indianapolis. The point is is the quarterback di- division is going to look very different than it was two years ago when Deshaun Watson was tearing things up and and then you look at 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 Carson Wentz. Uh, you know again going from Luck to Brissett to Rivers to Wentz and, and through this entire process. So it, it's um man it it, it Tannehill feels great. It, it feels great. Tannehill is has his flaws. We've covered them ad nauseum. And, and I, you know, I don't think he's the long-term starter after this season, but they are still in a thousand times better position than all these other teams. That being said, I think the Colts getting rid of Wentz was actually a really great move. So I think they, they, to pick up capital for Carson Wentz, I think is an insanely good move. And if the Texans all of a sudden have three or four first round picks to work with their rebuild can happen a lot quicker. Also, you know, assuming that John Watson was never going to play for them again. Well, and, and assuming Casario, Nick Casario is actually a good GM, which he has proven not to be so far. No, I mean, if no. you really look at what he did last year in the off season and what he's done with the draft picks last year, do, do we really care that Nick Casario gets all these draft picks? Like, and Jack Easterby back there pulling the strings <laughs> and all that stuff. Like, I really don't care. It's the same thing. Like, I don't care that Trent Balky, if Trent Balky were to get draft picks, don't care. Trent Balky's a horrible talent evaluator, <laughs> both for free agency and, and stuff. Like, if Chris Ballard had a few that were high, maybe, but he really doesn't have a good hit rate. Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson have inflated the media's view. Jonathan Taylor. Of, 
and Jonathan Taylor have inflated the media's view of what Chris Ballard is. Michael and they were all obvious picks. Michael Pittman is just a guy. He's not a number one wide receiver. He's just a guy. No, he's, like, a nice, he's a nice, he's a nice starting. Yeah. Wide but I mean, like it's, I mean, it's just a, he's a starting wide receiver. It's not anything special. You know, Jonathan Taylor is Quentin Nelson is okay, and right. Darius Leonard, but you know, Quentin Nelson was kind of the obvious pick, right? I mean, like anybody at that spot that had the needs the Colts did, we're going to draft Quentin Nelson. The same thing with Jonathan Taylor. They had, you know, the spot open. Like, those weren't like, you know, ace in the hole. It's it's kind of like John Robinson getting A.J. Brown. He kind of lucked into getting A.J. Brown, right? I mean, like other teams passed on him, and he got him in the second round by sheer luck because the Patriots decided to draft Nikhil Harry. Like, <laughs> great move by John Robinson, but does he does – he, should we give the other yes. 31s more yeah, credit? No. Like, gets, I feel like the other 31s no, really did Rob, us a favor. Robinson gets credit. You got Harold Landry in the second. You got Derrick Henry in the second. He's got a pretty good track record. I know you can throw out Kevin Dodd's name at me if you want to, but I, he's he's got a pretty good track record of about Christian Fulton. There's He's drafted pretty good players in the second and third round. I, oh, the, I mean, I'm not saying that he's not a good GM or anything. I'm just saying that – I, let me say something. John Robinson has hit on his picks more than Chris Ballard has hit on he, his. Here's what I would say. I totally agree with you that the I, I trust the Texans to screw it all up. Like I trust, right. I'm with you on that. I think Chris Ballard, I, I think Chris Ballard is a victim of like media, which is to be good at media, to be great at media, you either have to be a genius or you have to be freaking awful. Like you, there's no middle ground. And I think Chris Ballard's in the middle. I think he's a okay general manager. He's I don't an think average he's GM. Right. Right. That's and, a, and his record shows that 41 and 40. He's an and average that, GM. And that is not, that is not how you get, clicks and, and win radio segments and quarter hours and all that other crap that goes along with the media is you have to, he has to be a genius or he has to suck. And if it's not well, one of those, well, it depends things. on if he gives you information or not, because that's what it really boils down <laughs> to is that Chris Ballard's buddies with all these people because he's just, you know, this nice guy and stuff, right, right, right. but I've seen quite a few people tweet out, you know, lately I'll say this as it goes on, this off season goes on. I've seen more and more people start realizing Chris Ballard's probably not as good as we all thought he was, you know, a couple of years ago. So it, it's coming. It's coming. I, and it's not that he sucks. It's just that he's not as good as what the media portrays him. Somebody has to be good, though, at something for Indianapolis to have had a different starting quarterback every year and to have made the playoffs three times to have three winning records and to keep like to keep having solid football teams despite all this complete dysfunction. Either Frank Reich sucks, Chris Ballard. Like somebody has to be good at something because they they continually play. They've only been to the playoffs twice, by the way, under okay. Chris Ballard. But three winning records with three separate quarterbacks, and the only losing t record he had was Jacoby Brissett when Andrew Luck retired, like in the in the pre literally in the preseason. So they have figured out ways to have winning records, and I don't know, you, you know, somebody. Okay, we need to move on from from the Colts, but they are. They've been a thorn in the side of the Titans. Two, they two losing not, records, by the way. They're not anymore. Two losing records. What are you talking about? They were four and twelve his first year as GM. They were seven oh, you're and nine in twenty nineteen. Yeah, you're talking, you're talking Ballard. I was I was talking Frank Wright. Four years. Sorry. Oh. sorry, sorry. My apologies to that's to, all right to Frank Wright. Oh, and Wright, Wright's not good either. So, <laughs> all right. Let me Anybody who convinces his owner and GM to trade for Carson Wentz is not a good head coach. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't care that Philip Rivers drug him. Uh, to the playoffs and I don't care that Andrew Luck who went 10 and six with Andrew Luck and you're telling me this guy's good Give me I, I am not saying that any of these guys are great <laughs> I'm just saying somebody there has to be good at something because they are with that much turnover 
and that much awfulness in charge, they still figure out ways to have winning records. That's all I'm they, saying. They are lucky to play in the AFC South. Let me let me tell you, because right. if they were in another division, they would be the last place team. If they were in the AFC North, they'd easily be last place team. Also, you could just win this argument by saying, look, the Jags went to an AFC championship game recently. Well, that is true. Twenty <laughs> was 2017. Yeah, right. Um, all right, let me float something to you here, and I have not heard Titans fans talk about this much at all. Um I'm going to, I'm going to name drop here on the show. And I was working with, I was working with Mel Kuyper over the weekend and I asked him, I said, look, none of these John Robinson has talked about quarterbacks at the combine. They, they, they put an offer on the table for Aaron Rodgers. There's been this, all this talk about Tannehill. And I said, where would Jordan love be graded at this year in this draft class? And he said, it wouldn't even be close. He'd be graded number one uh, ahead of Malik Willis, ahead of Kenny Pickett. It wouldn't even be close. So just with that as some context, I'm not suggesting I agree with him or disagree with him, but just with that as context, now would be the ideal time for the Packers to trade him because his value is still unknown and Rodgers is at the beginning of his new contract. So this would be the right time to move him. If you, in theory, believed you were going to be looking at quarterbacks late first, early second round, and you were looking to upgrade the position of Ryan Tannehill, who's going to have a big out in the contract after next season, could you, couldn't you do a lot worse than trading a late first or an early second to Green Bay for Jordan Love, who, by the way, is younger than Kenny Pickett? Oh, my God. Are younger you, than uh, Kenny first Pickett? First or second? Hell no. Uh, yeah, you could. Uh, the only thing you could do worse is just not turn in a draft pick. I mean, like, like to me, wow. yeah. Like, I'm not I'm not here to to trade. Look, if the Titans want to trade, you know, the one of the compensatory picks, I think they'll get a fourth round, extra fourth, right? If they want to trade that for Jordan Love, I would probably, me personally, be still upset, but I at least that's, understand it. That's not even close to what the asking price is going to be. Just and, so you know, and guess what? And, and I get that. And I get that. Okay. The asking price is too high. They, you do not trade a first for Jordan Love, who has a worse arm than Marcus with nerve damage. Like wow. that's what I saw at the Stop Kansas City it. game when Stop Jordan it. Love played against Kansas City. It was the worst quarterback performance I've seen since Nathan Peterman played for the Bills. I think around <laughs> Thanksgiving. And he threw four picks. It was an awful performance. This guy sucks. <laughs> I can you maybe can't, you can't say that about a guy who's played one game. I listen. If he sucked, do you think the 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 they would pay two hundred million dollars for a quarterback? Like I get that it's Aaron Rodgers, but I don't do think they're think related. They really, I don't think they're related at all. Mm, I think I, a, they have if, to be related. If, if you're you, signing him for four more years, why'd you even trade up? Which they did. They traded up. For Jordan Love. Would you like to know why? Because he because they're idiots. No, because Rogers Rogers was coming off his two worst years at the time. Listen, I don't like listen, I don't want the Titans to make the move. I'm a Packers shareholder and I don't like Jordan Love. So I'm not agreeing. Yeah. I'm not saying that this is what they should do. I'm just saying if John Robinson has a high grade on Jordan Love and you can acquire him for about the same cost as one of these guys in this draft class, which they have now openly talked about, which again, I'm not even suggesting is right or wrong. I, I don't, I think you could, I think Jordan love is the option. Not any of the guys in the draft class is what I'm trying to say. Like if, if you're going to do this and go down that path and John Robinson trusts his evaluation of one of these guys, to me, Jordan love is the best option of these guys. The Packers were coming off the two worst. It was Aaron Rodgers' two worst seasons, basically of his entire career and they thought they had a chance to replicate the Aaron Rodgers thing by drafting Jordan Love. I think it was a bad move. Since then, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers have won two MVP awards since that time. And, and 
you know, quarterbacks are playing to 44 now instead of 38. So I think things have changed. I think if they can trade him for something close to what they paid for him, then I think it would be smart for them. And I think it's, I still don't know what the Titans are going to do in 2023 for a starting quarterback. I don't think, unless you're going to completely rework Ryan Tannehill's contract, I don't know. You have to get something. There has to be some plan. Let's say if you're going to trade for Jordan Love, because they don't have a second round pick. So if you're going to trade for Jordan Love and you're going to trade using your first round pick, they better be sending back a second and a third with them. Because it's this team is going to have holes that need to be create that need to be filled in the draft. And I don't see it with Jordan Love. I just do not think he's a good guy, a good quarterback. I, I agree with you. And and I don't think that he's going to fix your issues at quarterback with Ryan Tannehill because you're going to get him in here at camp and he's going to suck. And then you're going to be like, well, shit, <laughs> I trade, I traded a first round pick for this guy. Yeah, I know. I, I'd rather, I, I don't know. I, I just think that you can't say that the two aren't related. The, the contract with Aaron Rodgers and this, because you don't pay a quarterback $200 million. If you believe that your other quarterback is ready. Or no, no, good. no. It, okay, I, I'll say uh, you're right that they're they're related in one sense. The Alex Smith trade from Kansas City was clear that Patrick Mahomes was the guy. Right. So I, I agree with you. If if Jordan Love had made it so obvious and so clear that he was the guy, then maybe you're right. You 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 look for the big trade offer. You try to acquire three first round picks and you trade Aaron Rodgers. I I don't think even you know I, again outside of that one rare Mahomes situation, I just don't think you can replicate that very often. So. Aaron Rodgers is still better than every other quarterback on the planet, basically. Right. So it, there's a little bit. I, I agree with you. There's a little bit there. I, this is exclusively just like drafting because I don't like any of the guys in the draft. This is all about John Robinson's personal evaluation process. If he thinks Devin Gardner, uh, Devin Gardner, Desmond Ritter, or Jordan Love, or whoever it is, and that that's there, he better be freaking sure that that's the guy. That, that's and I don't saying. think at this stage in the game with everything that's happening in free agency and with all these quarterbacks either coming out of retirement or signing with teams or being traded for, I, I think it's not totally off the table that the Steelers take a first-round quarterback, but now they don't have to, right, because of Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky in Pittsburgh. You know, Seattle's the real wild card. They're the only team with a blatant yeah. need in the first round for a quarterback. I think you could probably get at this point Desmond Ritter possibly in the third round or Carson Strong possibly in the third. That's okay. I think that's fine to do okay. and not give right. up something for uh, Jordan Love. Okay. I, I, if you can give me Jordan Love for a third, I'd still would take Jordan Love, but I agree. I'd prefer it to be a late second or a third round pick, trade out of the first round, get extra capital. That you and I have sort of agreed on that. One, yeah. of, the few, one of the few things we agree on. All right, real, real quickly here. Titans fans, we've... I don't know how many times I've talked about this on the show, but Titans fans can be amongst the most sensitive of all fans that I've ever seen towards the national media, the national respect that they don't get. And frankly, I just don't, I don't care what talking heads say on, you know, first take or embrace debate shows, or, you know, I don't watch cable news. Like I just don't care what people say because I think the smart football people know how good the Tennessee Titans are. I think smart basketball people know exactly how good Rick Barnes and the Tennessee basketball team is. And I think it's okay for fans to be, to say, Hey, you know what? I think the Vols should have been seated a little bit higher or whatever. 
but I do not understand the uh, the amount of grievance that seems to be sought out by both Volunteers fans and Tennessee Titans fans in general. Which one does grievance better, in your opinion? Which one goes after the grievance harder, Vols or Titans? Vols, because the Volunteers... I mean, we saw it with the Greg Schiano fiasco. I mean, if you if you say anything bad and you're a media personality, you say anything bad about the UT fan base, regardless of if they deserve it or not, the UT teams or anything, they're coming at you. Like Titans fans will come at you, but they'll die off after like a day. Bulls fans, you, you are marked for life. You are like uh, – Jacob being imprinted Bella's baby or whatever happened on Twilight, that little thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a Twilight what thing. What are you uh, talking about? It's a, I haven't watched it, but it's something about imprinting and werewolves I, or something. I, it sounds like you've watched a lot of it. it no, like. no, it's, it's, it's a, uh, no, it's a, it's a wife thing that oh, she, okay. she talks about. So, you know, it's a, it's something about something to do with that. Or like, uh, what is it? The uh, lightning bolt on Harry Potter's forehead. They're marked. You're marked for life. You're I'm a branded. Lord, I'm a Lord of the Rings nerd, not a Harry Potter nerd, I guess. I'm not, so. I'm not either of these nerds. So I'm really probably talking <laughs> out my ass. Uh, but I don't get, I, I, they just come attacking for you and they don't let it go. Oh, yeah. the, they, Dan Wolken, public enemy number one. Like Colin Cowherd will say something and then everybody will kind of forget about it after a week. And then they'll be like, oh, Colin Cowherd said something nice about the Titans. So we're back on the Colin, like Titans fans. Right, right, right. They right. just blow with the wind. UT fans, they go against the wind. They will fight and climb the mountain until the day that that person is dead in the ground. And so I, I think that they are one of the worst and most annoying fan bases out there. And I think the fans that are media, that are also fans, they're they're just as bad as the actual fans. Name names. Like, you know, if I oh, I'm about to. Zach Reagan and Chad Withrow have been. That's all they talk about. Their feed is just <laughs> constantly complaining about not getting the one seed. Look, one seed, three seed, four seed, Johnny Appleseed. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the Volunteers are not going to make it to the final four. You heard it here first. Wow. They're going to have a. They're going to have wow. an early exit just because Rick Barnes caught lightning in a bottle at the right time in the SEC tournament doesn't change that you guys all wanted him fired a year ago. I don't. Okay. All right. First, first of all, I put a poll question up and I agree with you. I put a poll question up. I said, which fan base does grievance better and 71% Vols, 29% Titans. I do think that you're right. The Titans is sort of like it comes and goes. And I thought the Ryan Tannehill top 10 quarterback thing in the summer was so effing stupid, but like, whatever, he's barely a top 10 quarterback in the AFC now. So it's fine. Whatever people have, Finally come around on that. But I was a Tennessee alumni screaming about how Philip Fulmer and Greg Schiano were not the, you know, Philip Fulmer's not the answer. Jeremy Pruitt's not the answer. And that was a rough, like personal three weeks for me on the air in Nashville at the time. And I agree that, that Tennessee fans will hold on for dear life. Lane Kiffin, like, you know, the Aaron Craft barbecue story, which is not why really why Bruce Pearl got fired. He got fired for a whole lot of other stuff that no one actually really knows about. Um, you can go down the list of stuff though. You know, it's just that they, in these moments, Tennessee fans, what's so funny about it is that they could actually acquire sympathy in these moments from the national f fan bases. Like if, if they were to say, man, look at Lane Kiffin, he left, congratulations. He got his dream job, but, but you know, we're, we, we're really sad. We lost our guy. You could have actually gotten sympathy out of that, but instead you went and like, 
He needed a police escort to get out of his house. He acted like a bunch of idiots. So like every single one of these steps, and I think David Ubbin wrote this in a column, like every one of these times where Tennessee fans could earn sympathy, they turn it around and they make it look like, like people eventually just go, there's no way I'm going to defend you on this. I cannot defend your actions on this. The Greg Shano stuff is, is a perfect example. If there was a free throw, if a, if someone in another game that is not even in the sec, let's say it's Oregon versus, uh, Cal UCLA in a basketball game and some fan farted in the stands <laughs> during a free throw when it's all quiet and there was this really loud fart UT fans would get on the internet and they would say whoa I thought we were the only rough or bad fan base or the most disgusting fan base oh, this person over here Pat like, 40 come on Pat 40 take that I mean, they're they're all about they're all about holding on to grudges I've never seen anything like it the refs are always out to get them. The refs never so screw bad. over any other know, team in any other sport. They are the, it's the, that's the most annoying fan base. And here's the really funny thing about the entire conversation about the basketball team. Again, most of the people outside of Tennessee fans agree that the Vols could have been seated a little bit higher. The problem is, is that every smart basketball person then turns around and says, but they actually got a better draw where they are as a three seed. Because now they're going to play Colorado State in the second round. Then they're going to play Villanova. Then they're going to play Arizona, a team they already beat. That's an easier path to the Final Four than some of the other slots they could have been that were perceived to be better. And 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 just they care more about a little number, yes, and a little name on a bracket than they do about actually winning games. And I disagree with you. I think they're completely capable of getting to the Final Four. And if they are good enough to get to the Final Four then it doesn't freaking matter what seed you are. If you're good enough to play well enough to get to the final four, then you're going to get to the final four no matter what. Hey, listen, if you can't get to the final four from the three seed and the one seed has the harder bracket, then guess what? You weren't getting, you were the the harder path. Guess what? You weren't getting in as the one seed anyway. So what the fuck doesn't matter? I know. I don't know. There's, there's just, and and I don't like, I don't think it's one particular media member, but I do think the Vols media in general is way worse than Titans media. I don't, I don't oh, think yeah. the Titans media, it turns into homers and starts like campaigning for like the Titans to be treated better. I don't think that happens. Uh, hell, that, most of them say quit, quit right. talking to the, the national right. guys. I mean, right. that's what we've said numerous right. times. And I know PK has said it as well. Right. So there, no, I, mean, I think actually, everybody has, I think the Titans media is actually harder on the team. I think the Vols media, it, sometimes they're just a, pol- a complete apologist. And um, it, it's, it's, and again, I'm not, I think it's the whole media and all the fans. I'm not calling out any, any one person. And frankly, I just don't appreciate that grievance is all over the Twitter in general, just grievance everywhere. So um, listen, guys, Tennessee's a really good basketball team. They've got every piece that could possibly need to go to the final four. And if they are good enough and play well enough, they're going to get there, whether they're a two seed or a three seed. The only thing that matters in the Villanova match in two weekends is the color of the jersey. <laughs> it's the two or the three, the, if they play each other in the Sweet 16, which is probably going to happen, the only thing that changes between the two and the three is the color of the uniform. That's it. That's it. It doesn't mean anything else. That's what you're screaming about. Get over it. Move on. Drop it. All right. Preds, Preds records here. And I want to tie this into the Titans, Zach, before we let everybody go. Uh, make sure you check out Kingston Group, of course, buildkg.com, our wonderful sponsor here on the 440 long form edition on Tuesdays. Make sure you're all checking out Broadway Sports Media, football, and other F words podcast as well with Mike and Zach. And um, uh, buildkg.com is the website. If you own a home and you need some help with your house, making a big decision, make sure you check out the Kingston Group. Okay. 
Um, Preds, there's all kinds of Preds chasing records. Forsberg, Duchesne, Yossi, they're chasing all kinds of single season records and career records for the National Predators. And it's a fun thing. I, it reminds me of being like an eight, year, an eight or nine year old kid again when I get to like track records. That was fun to do when I was a kid. I don't care as much about it anymore as an adult, but, but it is kind of fun to do. And it got me thinking about the Titans records. And I think what the Preds are trying to do or are going to do, especially with Forsberg and Yossi, is that what it does, like when those guys own those records, it cements this era of Predators players as like the definitive generation of Predators hockey, right? Stanley Cup, President's Trophy, and record holders. So what it does in my head is it says, all right, these five or six years of Preds hockey are the quote-unquote glory years, the golden years, whatever you want to call it. And the fact that all these great players are going to own the records cements that for me. Well, right now, this is the best, most consistent stretch of Titans football we've seen in a long time, maybe ever. And for Derrick Henry to have the single season rushing record, for A.J. Brown to have, he's three or four years away, probably from some of the career receiving records numbers. We'll get to the single season records in a second. But Derrick Henry's going to blow past Eddie George rushing in two years. He's going to blow past the touchdown records in probably one year. I think for A.J. Brown and for Derrick Henry specifically to own a lot of these records for the Titans cements this generation of Titans teams in sort of like the history of the organization. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, it, it makes total sense because really, I, I think that they are. I, I'll be honest, I, I get that the records aren't there yet. I think that Derrick Henry I think he's probably second. When you're including Earl Campbell, which most fans, they're, they're only comparing Chris Johnson, Eddie George, and, and Derrick Henry, which is not fair to Earl Campbell and not fair to the same fans who also want the Euler throwbacks. If, you're, if you want and demand the Euler throwbacks, you have to include Euler history, which I do. Yeah, I think it's down right. to Earl Campbell and Derrick Henry as the two best running backs that the, this team has seen. I think A.J. Brown is the best wide receiver this team has ever seen, including Euler's. He will. He may never get the single season record of seventeen hundred like you were talking about, just because of how this offense flows currently. Hopefully that changes, and then <laughs> life is better for everybody. Gonna need Jordan Love for that. Yeah. Oh God, please don't. <laughs> Listen, all that would have to be yards after catch because he can only throw it five <laughs> yards down the field. All right. And then on top of that, but I do think he's. I think both him and Derrick Henry are going to beat the the career records for both receiving and rushing. That's what matters. I mean, I, I think career is what matters, not just the season. The season's nice, but that gets you in NFL, you know, that year recognition. But these yeah, guys yeah. are already getting recognition as some of the best in, in the game. So they don't – I want them to get all the recognition, but they don't technically need it. Der Derrick Henry is 1,600 yards away rushing from passing both Chris Johnson and Earl Campbell. He needs about 3,000 yards to pass Eddie George. So uh, very reasonable to say in two more seasons – Derrick Henry will have all of the records. Um, the single season touchdown record is 19 and he's got, he's had 17 in a season before. So he could in theory break that one. He's already got the, the single season rushing record. Uh, he's only six touchdowns away from 74 total touchdowns, which is the franchise's all time record. And he's only eight touchdowns away from Earl Campbell's 73 rushing touchdowns. So the, the, the career numbers are within two seasons for Derrick Henry, which we know he's going to be here for those two years. Um, the, the, sing, the receiving numbers are interesting. Ernest Givens is the all-time receiving record holder, 542 receptions, 7,935 yards. 
Charlie Hennigan, who has the single season records, has 51 career touchdowns. I could see A.J. Brown in three or four seasons basically catching Ernest Givens' yards record and Hennigan's touchdown record. Like, I, I don't think it's that that out of reach. If, if they sign him to one more contract, I think A.J. Brown will end up with all these records. Yeah, I, I, th- I think I think you're right. They're, and they will get another contract with A.J. Brown. I'm not worried about that. And, you know, it's interesting to me because I see I saw you last week start posting on your Twitter at Braden Gall that um, these records for Philip Forsberg about to catch and Roman Yossi and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, gosh, this team has been I feel like those particular guys have been so good. I can't believe they haven't already broken those records like I just have never thought the Predators as having a bunch of players that have been higher scoring than what Philip Forsberg have and Roman Yossi have in recent memory. And, of course, obviously they're going to break them, hopefully. They have, what, 26, 27 games left to do it. It's just it, – talk about Preds. Just, it's just wild to me. And it's, and it's almost every single record all at one time, too. That's kind of what makes it fun. It, yes, they're chasing a playoff spot, all this stuff, but, like – Roman Yossi is going to break the single season assist record and the single season points record. He's got 23 more games to do it. And he's like within reach of both of those. The single goal record is 34. Duchesne and Forsberg have 31 at time of taping. They're, they're three goals away. So both of them are probably going to break Victor Arvidsson's record. And, and I think the one that's really interesting is Philip Forsberg before the trade deadline needs one more goal, I think, or two more goals to break the all time single scoring like a uh, all-time scoring record to pass David Legwan with 210 goals. So it's, it's, you've got the, the rookie goal record Tanner Janos trying to break. You've got the hits record. Tanner Janos definitely going to break. You got the shots record that Roman Yossi could break. Matt Duchesne could also get to 80 points, which has only happened one time in franchise history. I think single season stuff matters more in hockey than it does in football. I feel like, whereas the career records maybe matter more in football. I don't know. What do you, you said you care more about the career records, right? Yeah, I, I think the I think what you're looking for, if I, if you're a fan, is the single season. I, first off, I, Tannehill breaking the single season Titans quarterback, Titans quarterback specifically, single season passing yardage was a big thing because it was Matt Hasselbeck before that. Now, obviously, Warren Moon is over four thousand yards, and I don't think. Ryan Tannehill's is going to get, he can, he has the capabilities to, but I just don't think this offense can get him to over 4,000 yards. Can you believe so, that by the way, that no Titans quarterback has thrown for 4,000 yards. It's what it's, it's insane. And just, when you really think about it, I can believe it. Cause look at the quarterbacks <laughs> they've had. Deshaun Watson uh, threw for 5,000 two years. Ago. I know it's what it's, it's, I hate it. I hate yeah, thinking I know, about it, I know, I know. but I think if, when I'm looking at single season records being broken, I'm looking for single season NFL records being broken. Cause when those are broken, yeah, then the other stuff falls through. Yeah, that's true. And I, I just, I do like the NFL career, like career rushing records and the career touchdown records that like, you know, when Favre broke Marino and then Brady and breeze passed that. And then Peyton passed that. Like, I, I think those numbers are more interesting. I think from, from, because because no one's going to touch those records in hockey. Like no one's right. ever going to break Wayne Gretzky's records from an NHL standpoint. And frankly, the Titans and the Predators are very similar in that they just have very bad offenses. <laughs> yeah. Historically, <laughs> they just they're just really good defensive teams. That that's what they are. So, anyway, just just thought we'd get that out there um just a couple of days before the trade deadline for the Predators. 
thought we'd throw that in there because Derrick Henry and AJ Brown in theory could be hold every single record for the Titans in the next couple of seasons. And if they do that, I think it cements this as the greatest era of Titans football. So it, you know right. that for whatever that means, obviously getting to a Super Bowl would, would help cement that as well. <laughs> so yeah, um, yes, Zach, please. what you got, what you got coming up on the F words pod, Broadway sports media, all that great stuff. So we are recording Wednesday night because we want to let a few days of actual free agency go through. And we're going to be obviously talking about Carson Wentz. If you are, if you hate Carson Wentz as much as me and Lebowski <laughs> do, Lebowski spent the whole day on Reddit's the, Reddit the day that oh. Carson Wentz got cut. So we're going to have all kinds of good stuff from that. And then we're also obviously going to talk about free agency and all the moves that have made up until now, including more bashing of Jeff Swaim, if that's your thing. Listen, I, it's not my thing. It's not my kink. But if you're into that, that's fine. You can bash, yeah. bash Geoff Swain. Um, I, I can't imagine a worse existence than spending time on Carson Wentz Reddit. I it, Well, he said it was a delightful, delightful day. <laughs> Make sure you check out the Football and Other F-Words podcast, of course. Everywhere you get your podcasts, rate, review, subscribe, all that great stuff. You can follow him on Twitter at F-Words Pod. Zach Lyons, always a pleasure, my friend. You can follow me at Braden Gall at 440 Sports. Check out the YouTubes and subscribe and click all the buttons we ask you to click and all that great stuff. So do all of that. And, of course, support our great sponsor, the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. For Zach, my name's Braden. Thank you guys all for listening. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. This has been the 440 for Tuesday, March 15th.